is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! All right, welcome back to Blue by 90. I am Justin, joined by Jack and Kalen as always. And today we have a special guest with us, Anthony Broom from Maize and Brew. Anthony, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to, uh, good to connect, good to be here. Always like mixing it up with some of the other people in our little Michigan sphere of sites, podcasts, blogs, whatever you want to call it. So good to be here. Good to chat with you guys. And this is great for us to actually have a professional on here, so maybe we can actually have uh, some good insight for once. So use, that, use that term super loosely, professional. I, so, um, yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Thanks. I appreciate you guys asking me to come on. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so I, I know, you know, we, uh, we obviously have our Twitter, and you guys have your social media as well, and, and we see you guys putting out a lot of good stuff. Is it, It's at Maze in Brew, correct? Yep, it's Maze and Brew. There's no and there. Sometimes people get it mixed up. It's Maze and Brew. And uh, for anyone that has complaints about that, that predates me. So you can kick that up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's where we're at. We're, uh, you know, we're kind of kicking back up into podcasts four or five times a week with different stuff on our site. Maybe even more than that. We'll see what the, the fall brings. But um, yeah, it's nice that I, and I, I have my fingers crossed and I'm knocking on wood here that, that things feel like they're getting back to normal. So happy to provide a an actual season, normal season's worth of content. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're excited to, you know, I think we're like on the cusp of, you know, we've talked about it a lot as well, but just between the three of us on this podcast and in real life that it's like, all right. We're hyping ourselves up a little bit more each day for Michigan football, whether we want to or not. We've been trying to put it off as much as as we can because we know that that hype uh, train can come quickly for a lot of Michigan fans out there. Um, you know, but with it just being such a weird season last year, you know, we're just just excited for college football to get back and and to be back in the big house and all that stuff. And so. You know, you were at Schembechler Hall this morning. Uh, you've been around. It's I know you guys don't get a ton of access to things uh, uh, with the team, but what is the the general you know atmosphere like around the Michigan football team right now? There's got to be a different energy. It seems like, which is what Jim Harbaugh talked about, and a lot of guys talked about at the Big Ten Media Days. Is that is that real? Can you feel that? It, it feels like. All I can t- what I can tell you what it does feel like is that the reset push the reset button has been pushed, and it feels like there's a like a fresh slate, a clean start for a lot of people. Um, you know, I can't sit here and tell you that everything they did, either you know they overhauled the defense, they made some tweaks on the offensive side of the ball. Really, I mean, something that I think isn't being talked about enough is that, and I know the results aren't there right now, but the recruiting department was completely overhauled. Too. Some administrative stuff was turned over. Um, you know, they, to Jim Harbaugh's credit, I mean, you're, he's he signs the extension. He's coming back. Like that's at a certain point, people who were upset with that just have to realize that's 
that's what the, the reality of it is. So once he does that, you know, he, he flips over just about every stone he can to you know, overhaul the defense. What can we do a little bit better offensively? Um, it seems like, and this just might be the natural cycle of what the offseason is. Um, you know, the nice thing for them is that they had a full spring football to put in what they wanted to put in. They've had a normal conditioning cycle. They've, they've done, and that's not excusing what happened last year, but that wasn't the case last year. So it does feel like going back to a normal schedule, having new energy, new blood in the building is, you know, we talk, there's going to be a lot and it's going to be pounded into people's heads until the opener about this culture change and all that type of stuff. And, and I'm not quite ready to buy into that yet because we heard about a culture change last year after the Minnesota game, and then they got punched in the mouth. They didn't get off the map, but it does feel like enough has changed down there that if you're not totally excited for the season, you're like, you know, what? I'm, I'm excited to see what happens one way or another. So I think that there is kind of a, a fresher vibe and some, honestly, some much needed new blood um, in that building, especially on the defensive side. And while we're on the kind of subject of culture change and new blood, um, I know, and we've made a lot of, you know, hoopla about Jim Harbaugh hiring a bunch of young guys as well. Um, have you been able to kind of feel that energy from some of the younger guys there? I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Seeing Don Brown get hype in an interview got me super hype as well. But have you been able to feel some of the some of the energy from the younger coaches? Yeah, it's yeah, because so we're, we're at press conferences today in the football building. That's the first time we've been face to face with people since you know before the Citrus Bowl, however many months, you know, almost two years ago that was. So. It's tough to like. I can't say there's a palpable energy yet, but just based on, like, uh, we were in we were in Indy for Big Ten Media Days a couple weeks ago, and when you hear the players talk about a guy like Mike McDonald, is that, you know, he's he's kind of the antithesis personality-wise of Don Brown in every way. It's a calmer guy, a measured guy. I can't say, you know, without seeing, you know, I, I can't say that he's more of a tactician, but um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson made you know, made a pretty big point where he's like, I had no idea what culture was or whatever, any of those types of things were until I sat down and had a conversation with, with Mike McDonald. And it's about, you know, more, you know, kind of maximizing the reps, the effort of each day, as opposed to what your X's and O's are, what your traditions are. So, you know, the culture thing is tough because you you could have the best culture and and come out and, and smack Western Michigan around. But then if Washington comes in that next week and punches you in the mouth, like, to me, the sign of that culture is how you would respond to that or just respond to being punched in the mouth in a game, period. So some of those early Jim Harbaugh teams had that. You know, you think of like that Colorado game during that 2016 season where you go down a bit early and you have to rally late. Um, you know, they haven't had that the last couple of years. I mean, obviously not last season, a couple times in 2019, but, you know, the result, the results are what they are. So I just think that with Mike McDonald, you're getting a guy and you talk about younger guys in general. I think we're moving away in the football coaching realm of this rah-rah, um, hard-ass type of mentality and more with guys who communicate. You can tailor your communication based on the different guys that you're coaching. You can, I think a big thing with Michigan's defense is they want to be a little more versatile in what they do now. So like they can, they can play man coverage, but they can drop into zone if the, if the game plan calls for that. So I just think the, the flexibility and the, 
maybe a little less of a hardline stance on what we are and what we want to be, I think that that's a positive for them. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I actually, I was hanging with a couple of the coaches a few weekends ago and you can, I mean, you just can tell whether or not they know how to, to run a, a, you know, a scheme or X's and O's, it's not a Don Brown grandpa type of feeling that you get from, you know? And so I feel like, you know, whether or not that works, that does vibe well and work with a 21 year old. Right. And especially, you know, with the culture that they're bringing the guys, these are guys that played the game and coached the game, like that not too long ago, were they players, whether it was at Michigan or in at a, another university or in the NFL. And so to be able to bring that culture in instead of, you know, even, you know, we see it on in basketball going from John Beeline, who's the, who's the grandpa type as well. Obviously that worked well for him, but Juwan Howard's the cool uncle, you know, that's the type of, of culture right. shift we're going to. And I think it in this day and age works really well when you're trying to get guys that are want to make money off NIL and want to be cool and be on Instagram and things like that. It's, it's very different. And Don Brown, I just, I just don't think, unfortunately, he, you know, switched well into transitioned well into that. He wanted to, it to be 1980 yeah. where everyone just, you know, runs into each other head first as hard as they can. Yeah, well, and think about it, too. Like, I'm not Don Brown had some really good defenses at Michigan, but they started to taper off when the talent got lesser. And and when you're a guy who's, co- you know, coordinating a defense at Boston College or you know some of the other places he'd been before. You have to scheme up. Um, you have to have kind of a weird, wacky scheme or, or lean on your tenants to be what you want to be. But, you know, a school like, and I'm not like, I got to be careful how I say this here, but like a school like Michigan, you, um, it's more about the players that you have. And I, I don't think they did a good good enough job, you know, later on. And, and obviously, like, the, the recruiting isn't great now, even with the new staff. But, you know, that'll change when you win football games. And I think something that stuck out to me about, what we heard from Mike McDonald during this press conference on Thursday was that someone asked him, I forget the reporter that asked him, but they're like, you know, remember all the terminology that Don Brown had in his defense, like the Viper position and things like that. And Michigan's going to what's going to be a base. We assume is going to be a base three, four look. So someone asked like, what are you, what is the, what's the title? What's the designation you're going to give these guys that rush the pass? And he's like, um, they're outside linebackers or defensive ends. We want them to set the edge or rush the passer. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. So I think that uh, I can't say, I can't say with confidence it's a back to basics approach, but it does feel like, Hey, football is let's call it what it is. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a sport. It's supposed to be played. There's, there's some tactician stuff, you know, game planning stuff, but like it doesn't need to be rocket science. And I think that's kind of, we talk about culture and vibe and the things that have changed. I think that's kind of what's changed um, with the way that Harbaugh has run the program since he took over. Like remember early on, I mean, he's talking about, Hey, we have aspirations of being the NFL's 33rd team in terms of the way we operate and things like that. I just think that, and I can't sit here and say with confidence that this is going to mean they win more games or that they finally get over the top, but it just seems like they're getting back to this back to basics approach of, Hey, let's just go out and play football. And I think that a lot of what Michigan's issues have been, have been self-inflicted. I think it's been the product of over 
overthinking, over game planning, um, a lot of internal pressure on those guys in that room. I just think taking the pressure off and just be like, hey, listen, like we're going to put in what we put in. We're going to wrap it during the week and go out and run it and have fun on Saturday. Again, I don't know what the, re- the final result of that's going to be, but the vibe there right now, and I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to sit here and sell that this thing is going to get turned around under Jim Harbaugh, but it just feels like they're in a lot healthier place than they've been the last couple of years. And with that defense too, I mean, going from Don Brown to Mike McDonald and, you know, with even Aiden Hutchinson kind of saying what, what I loved is like, he's saying, you know, it's going to be pretty unpredictable what our defense is like compared to with Don Brown, you knew there was going to be a lot of blitzing and, and whatnot and putting um, corners on islands. I mean, do you think we're still going to see a pretty like exciting defense? Do you think it's going to be more blitz heavy? Do you think, you know, maybe we'll see better play from the secondary because it's not so blitz heavy or like, what, what are you seeing? What do you, what do you think will kind of happen this year? That's a, that's a loaded question and a $4 million <laughs> question in Jim Harbaugh's case. Like that, that might be the, that might be what determines if he gets that money back or not. The man just had his pay cut in half, but you know, it, it seems like, I think when you look at what they want, what Michigan wants to be as a program, I think they want to be physical. They want to be aggressive. I don't think those types of things will change. Um, You know, do I, I I just, I think they just want their guys to go out and play football now as cliche as it sounds. I, I, it's tough to say what it looks like. I mean, you'd have to dive a little deeper into, and even Mike McDonald said, this is like, you can go back and watch the Ravens film, but that doesn't mean that's necessarily what we're going to do either. So I just think they want to be, I don't think they're going to stop being aggressive. I don't think they're going to stop dialing up um, different ways to get pressures on the quarterback and to, to disrupt the offense. But I, I do think that, what you'll see is them just kind of, they want to be positionally flexible too. That's where we're going to see Aiden Hutchinson play. He's going to play a bit of a stand-up linebacker role and he'll play up front with his hand in the dirt too. It depends on what the front looks like. So Daxton Hill, I mean, a guy who might play safety and then in certain spots, maybe he flexes out to corner or is inside playing the slot. It just kind of depends on what, what it calls for. And I think, what I can safely feel, what I feel like I can safely say about what they're doing without having seen it. Like I said, media didn't get to see, nobody really got to see spring practice, spring football, any of that stuff. They didn't have a traditional spring game, but it just seems like they want to be a little more pliable in everything they do, whether it be schematically, whether it be, you know, man versus zone coverage, whether it be the fronts that they come out with. They want to be able to zig when the other teams zag. And, and that's something that, uh, the Ravens have done pretty well. I mean, one thing you can't argue about Mike McDonald's impact in, in Baltimore is that, you know, him and a guy like Wink Martindale were guys that kind of modernized that defense a bit and, and changed it into into kind of what it is today. So, again, not saying here selling you that this is the guy, things are turned around like we're on the campaign trail trying to sell a vision here. But um, it just feels like there is more of an openness to be um, – I mean, you guys, we've all we all watched the 2018 Ohio State game. We all watched the 2019 Ohio State game. We know the things that have ailed this defense, and it it seems like there's a little more openness to tailor that and make adjustments in game. Because um, I think what Don Brown could have been guilty of, if anything, was that he's like, hey, this is what we we've been working on and repping on all year, and maybe they'll beat us this time, but they're not going to beat us on the next rep. And then they beat you on the next rep, and then just. <laughs> snowballs from there so 
um, you know, like I said, the pliability, the flexibility, I think of what they want to do is, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And, and again, they, they have some talents. They have some pretty notable talent deficiencies on that defense. Still. I'm not crazy about what they have at linebacker, at least depth wise on the back end. I mean, cornerback is what it is. We saw how that those guys played last season. Um, you know, there's, it's going to take time. Like that's not going to be perfect this year, but it, it just seems like it might be And something I'll shout out uh, this guy here, Steven Ostentowski, who, who works for our site. Love so him. Don Brown tended to scheme around what he felt the best version of Michigan's defense could be, as opposed to maybe a new regime can scheme around the deficiencies of some of these other guys. So that's what I'm hopeful to see. I don't, we'll see if how that plays out, but, it's impossible to say right now. I know it's going to take them, according to Mike McDonald, probably 10 to 12 practices to fully install this new defense in camp. They'll get 25 or so uh, practices before they get into that first game week. And from there, they start repping everything after that. So you'll kind of know. You'll know what it looks like. So it does like it seems like it seems like they're kind of going to they're kind of going to, you know, have these kids drink from the fire hose and see later on in camp what can be built on and retained. So I know for me personally, I mean, just seeing the defense make adjustments mid game, like you were saying, if they can do that, I'll be happy. And I, I think I'm going to be watching Steven's uh, stuff more than ever because I, I need to see the X's and O's in the film of what <laughs> yeah. this defense is doing because, you know, from what you just said, from what we've seen and heard and everything, nobody knows what the hell is going to go on on the defensive side of the ball. And so I need Steven Ostentoski to break it down yeah. for me. Uh, <laughs> I've watched a lot of football film in my in my life, but still he does a really good job of it. So I'm excited for that. Um, oh, I, I need it. I need it too. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why I'm glad he's with me. Uh, I need that stuff too. As much football as I've seen, like I said, this is your, your eight of Michigan stuff for me. There's still, that's the great thing about that sport is you're still kind of learning stuff as the game moves forward and, and pushes it forward. So thank God for resources like that. And, uh, you know, making it digestible too. I think they're, um, not picking on anyone in particular, but just the industry of like film study in general, I feel like it's not super, you know, it's not like, it's not super accessible. There's a lot of difficult terminology. And, you know, what, what I liked about Steven when I brought him in is that he makes everything, um, it's digestible and, and you learn. And, and that's a resource that, you know, instead of people yelling on Twitter, Hey, why didn't they guard this, this crossing route here? Like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's take that. And let's let's look at it and see what happened here. And to be able to explain that, I think is a pretty valuable resource. Yeah, he does a great job of dissecting it. And I mean, we we had him on one time where he broke down film for us, and we're like, yeah, that that sucked. What the hell are they doing there? And he's like, well, you know, they were supposed to run this way, and then you know that happened, and that's why it didn't work. For him to be able to dissect it and, like you said, make it digestible for the average fan is is helpful for sure. Yeah, I wonder in terms right. of Mike McDonald, yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, you're good. Okay, uh, I, I kind of wonder in terms of Mike McDonald, is he going to be able to install his defense and have it be successful year one? Because, like, I think back to, like, Greg Madison in 2011, for whatever reason, he was able to bring his defense, and it seemed like in one year it was there. 
But obviously we see guys like Josh Gaddis on the flip side of the ball installing his offense. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if his offense has ever really come to fruition. I mean, this is kind of a prediction. Right. Uh, but, I mean, do you think that Mike McDonald's defense will show up year one, or are we going to be waiting for a few years? Well, it's all it's it's all relative, right? Like, are they going to be better than being the the worst one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten? <laughs> I think they should be because they were too they were too talented to do what they did last year. Um, you know, there are still there are still good players there. I mean, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, um, you know, I could name all the guys. You know, up front, um, you know, Mike Barrett is going to move from Viper to kind of an inside linebacker spot. Josh Ross, they feel pretty highly about. So, like, I feel like they're they're too talented to be running around the field like chickens with their heads cut off, like they were last year. Um, but again, I think when you do these big schematic changes, especially at any level of football, I mean, we see it in the NFL all the time when these teams switch to a three-four. It takes time. So, like, and I'm not like I said, we've talked about before how I'm not crazy about like what they have at cornerback, and I think that the depth at linebacker, there's still a little bit, of, there's still some inexperience and some greenness there as well. So they're going to struggle a bit, but like I said, are they going to, is it, like, it will probably take them until, and this is what I found so fascinating about bringing in a guy like Mc, Mike McDonald is that, you know, Jim Harbaugh has to win football games now. Like they can't go six and six and seven and five and keep going down this path. Like they need to win games now. And when you bring in a guy like McDonald who is doing a total top to bottom scheme change, those things take time. I mean, even, you know, it, it's actually probably rare when thing when there is a f- switch that's flipped, like a Madison coming in, um, you know, on the offensive bo- side of the ball. I mean, look at, um, you know, LSU changed offenses the year before they broke out with Joe Burrow and, and things were, things weren't great there. Like Joe Burrow wasn't what he was. And it took a second kind of season to, install that and put it in place and, and do, and, and then look year two, you break out, everyone's figured it out too. Um, there's still, I, I still think there's talent there. I, again, can I say, can I safely say there'll be a top half of the big 10 defense? I think so. Question mark, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't think they're, so too confident. they're too talented. And, <laughs> I just think they're too talented to be like what we watched last year was uh, just completely unacceptable and not, not good. So I think there's (laughs) the fact that there's nowhere to go, but up inspires a little bit of confidence, but you know, they're going to need help from that other side of the ball too, which to me, um, I don't know if we might get into that here, but I think that might be a bigger key to what this season winds up looking like. Yeah. I, you know, we, we're all talking about how we don't know what the defense is going to look like. Well, last season it looked like Josh Gaddis didn't know what the offense was supposed to look like. <laughs> and so that's where, you know, what I want to see, uh, we heard it from, you heard it in person. We heard it from, you know, through social media today, Josh Gaddis talking about the offensive play calling and how, you know, we all had, I, there were so many times where, I literally said, what the fuck to what Josh Gaddis was doing on the offensive side of the ball. You weren't alone. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, whether it's, it's running uh, a wildcat 
on the uh, 50 yard line or whether, you know, in, in or whatever it was, you know, for him to then come out today and say, yeah, I think the, you know, he didn't say the only problem, but for him to pinpoint it on that, we didn't run the ball enough. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? You were supposed to bring speed and space and get us throwing the ball and, and all this stuff. Use guys like the, the slot receivers, the speed guys that you have. And now you want to actually go away from that and ground and pound. So to me, I don't know how you, you know, in person took it to me. It was like, I still think your head's all over the place. And I don't know if you really know the direction you want this offense to go. Is that how you felt as well? I mean, yes and no. I'll say this. When you look at their skill position groups on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Hassan Haskins. You've got Blake Corum, who, again, has been kind of a workout warrior guy, but someone who we think can be a nice versatile. Like I think, and Donovan Edwards as well that might be their best skill group on the entire roster. So the idea that they might still want to run the ball 30 to 35 times a game is not like, I'm not resistant to that. I think that there's value in that. I think that those guys, um, you know, I think the bigger, like I I think the issue does kind of lie in, in sort of the play calling in that, but part of it too, I mean, the play calling wasn't great, but then when you start every game down, um, your defense gets punched in the mouth, you know, let's just say 10 plays, 70 yard drive, score first, first drive of the game. Offense comes back out and goes three and out or Joe Milton throws an interception. Like there was never, all of a sudden you look up and you're down 21 zero and you can't run the football. So I, I just think that there's, um, it, there's gotta be an emphasis on just maybe starting games better across the board. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think this like, the, the biggest misconception about speed and space or whatever that little catchphrase was, I think a lot of people thought that meant, oh, Michigan's going to line up and go four and five wide, and they're going to air the ball out all over the field, which they should have done with all the receiving talent that they had, but that's neither, neither here nor there. And they still have they still have a good room of receivers still. I mean, um, you know, they'll probably go five to six deep there this year. So, again, I mean, it's running the football – when you, when you break down, no matter what iteration the game takes, no matter how modern the game gets, I think when you boil it down, you still need to be able to, at your core, run the football and stop the run. And I don't know. I mean, I think the offensive dynamic is going to change a little bit with, like I said, this is still the biggest misconception. This is the funny thing, is that whenever Josh Gaddis' offense has done well, people have gone, man, there it is. Speed and space, finally. And then when... <laughs> They hurl a linebacker at the line of scrimmage like he's a desk chair or something like that. <laughs> it's oh, well, Harbaugh clearly took the Harbaugh took the play sheet away from him or you know, something like that. So it's like there's been polarizing reactions to that. I think that you know the biggest thing for them to figure out is one, you need to get your offensive line sorted out because last year, and I don't know how many people know this or not. But the starting offensive line wasn't always practicing together last year because they were splitting the groups up due to COVID because they didn't want someone to get COVID, wipe out an entire group, and then your starting offensive line is gone. So the first time a lot of those guys would play together would be on on game day, which is just – I get the Jeez. idea behind it, but like chemistry is so much more important on an offensive line than how talented the five guys lining up are. So – um 
hopefully that's something that is sorted out this year. Um, you know, the offensive line play and, and you're um, just getting good quarter, like quarterback play. I don't even need like Shea Patterson had the skill set and Joe Milton had the big arm, but like those guys, Shea Patterson would miss reads, you know, on the quarterback runs, Joe Milton, like it seemed like they ran the quarterback run stuff against Minnesota and then totally went away from it. Um, I think that it's just so important that you're, and you saw a little bit of this with Cade McNamara, like he, the value of what he brought to the table. And, and this isn't me declaring him the savior, the issue or the, no, we want to hear all their say problems. It. But say it right now. <laughs> I just, when he came into the game, whether it was, you know, the Rutgers game, whether when he was healthy during the Penn state game, which I think he got hurt, you know, hurt pretty early on, he just came in and ran the offense. And that's a pretty baseline expectation to like have, but to just come in, make a read, make a throw and not be spectacular. Like that feels like a good place to start from. I'm not setting the bar super high here. So I just feel like getting your offensive line and that best five figured out, finding a little more game flow with the running backs. And I think that's where Mike Hart might wind up being arguably the most important assistant coaching hire they made this off season. And then getting your offensive line, you know, the best five offensive linemen and having your quarterback sorted out, uh, which they, you know, it seems like it's cater can't say cater bust, but they certainly seem to be leaving it open for, they're leaving it open for someone else to take the job, but it seems like they're pretty open in saying that it's his and they don't think he's going to give it up. So more or less, that's what you're, your offense looks like this year. So again, it's just the, uh, you know, if, if Hassan Haskins has eight rushes for 60 yards and a drive, Hey, maybe let's feed the hot hand a little bit instead of, okay, let's go to this other guy and get him his as well. I think that having a little mm-hmm. bit more uh, experience at running back and, and uh, running back head, uh, you know, running back coach, I think it's going to be hopefully a big deal for them. So on paper, it looks good, but, you know, this has been an on-paper program for 17 years now, so we'll see. <laughs> yes, and and we've definitely been, you know, as a group, we'd love to see a number one running back, and then, you know, when it's time for him to rest, you put another guy in. Like you said, feed the hot hand. Don't take him out while after he just got three straight first downs or whatever it might have been. And um, what I love about that is, like, the last time we – most Michigan fans would remember us seeing that would be, like, Mike Hart. I know Fitz Toussaint had a really solid mm-hmm. year one year. I think it was 2011 or 2010. Um, but Mike Hart was that guy, and now he's a running backs coach. So that kind of brings some hope hope to that. Um, to go back to kind of the quarterback talk, I did I did have a problem with your article, man. You you, you didn't give a lot of love to Dan Valari. <laughs> you kind of glossed right over Dan Valari. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, Dan Valari is is – he's Taysom Hill. Like he's, he's going to be that they want to do that. They're married to that. And I think that that's, we'll see. I mean, I've never, I've never gotten the impression that Dan, like Taysom Hill is on the field for the saints because like, he's too good to not be on the field doing something. If we saw this a couple of years ago when they did the two QB stuff with Shea and, and Dylan McCaffrey, like, okay, if there's a package for that, fine. But, let's not get too cute here. Right. Um, you know, I think of stuff like the Michigan state game last year, you run Hassan Haskins out of the wildcat on the goal line. When it's like, you have a quarterback that's capable of running that could have run the same. It's <laughs> let's not get too cute with all that. Um, listen, I mean, Dan, like if they had played that Ohio state game last year, 
with the COVID stuff going on, like it would have been, um, I, and I think this is out there now, like it would have been a combination of Dan Valari and Mike Barrett and Hassan Haskins playing Wildcat quarterback. That oh would have my been, God. Um, <laughs> would have been incredible how, to watch. That's how they, that's how they were, you know, it, it's. All right. I mean, I'm okay with waving the white flag then. <laughs> yeah, let's. Come on, bro. Let's uh, sorry, show sorry. some love to our guy. If they if they can find a role for him and he can be a tight end like Zach Gentry was, that's great. That that's I mean they're not particularly deep there, but I don't know. I mean you start talking about this two QB stuff. I don't even think I don't even think the Taysom Hill stuff works that well. So like, is that a template for success that you're looking to replicate? I don't know, but I don't. Yeah, know. but it's when gonna you be, uh, it, when you have uh, a talent like Dan Villari, who we've uh, said just make that a QB one, he's, he's going to be a NFL <laughs> draft picks in the second round, you know, and we've never been wrong before. So, I mean, I, I would definitely just like throw him in there. I, I don't think you can keep him on the sideline with that type of talent. Have you seen his highlight tape, his little uh, like so hype film that he put incredible. on Instagram? I mean, that's all you need to know. All right. It's it's funny. We had I had somebody ask oh. me the other day. They're like, "Why are you guys so obsessed with Dan Valari?" I was like, "Hold on, let me let me show you this video that, <laughs> that he put up a year ago." <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I've been wrong before, and like I said, I, I think I tweeted this out recently. Like, part of what I do, and part of what you know, we all do, kind of to a certain extent, is is eat crow. It's become an acquired taste for me, and it's not it's not terrible. I, I don't hate the taste of it anymore. So I'd love to be wrong on Dan Valari. We'll see. Love to see if they. I mean, if they can find a role for him, great. We'll see what happens. Let's get weird. Love it. Love it. I mean, we've (laughs) already keep me entertained. Yeah, exactly. We've already kind (laughs) of talked about like, what are we gonna do if Dan Valari scores a touchdown this year? Like, if Dan Valari scores a touchdown, do we, you know, give away like a million dollars? Or I I mean, something's got to happen here. We got to do a lottery. I don't know. It's our guy for sure. I will say that. Pretty much, you guys every- get. You guys can put money in. You guys can put money in this pocket now. If, if you if you yeah. believe in Dan Valari, you go to the M Den, you get that custom jersey, and you put oh, money in that it. man's pocket. Well, I will say that pretty much everything you said is going on one of our shirts now. I mean, I love the taste of crow. Um, you know, I've been wrong before. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well, man. Listen, I mean, I better get a. I, I need a cut of that too. I'm on a blogger's salary here, so <laughs> whatever you can do to. Uh, uh, all right. I mean, that's, this is uh yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, it's, I think that, I don't know what we're going to learn a lot from camp that's starting here, you know, pretty much right now. Right. And, and, you know, I guess one, one question that you probably know better than a lot of people out there is in the past, it's been like, all right, nobody look at what we're doing. You know, I've even been around Michigan stadium, uh, you know, during the fall and like cops get called on me because I'm like in and around the stadium. And it's like, all right, dude, your, your stuff isn't in practice. Isn't that, uh, isn't that, uh, you know, private or unpredictable that you need to be like putting up FBI agents to, to check on it. Um, I even actually funny story there, like, Jim Harbaugh asked for a wall to be put up on stadium Boulevard. So nobody can look on the highway to the practice field. And it was going to cost like $5 oh, million dollars or something like that. <laughs> it's like, 
right. I know Zach Shaw, our, our guy Zach Shaw goes and uh, watches practice sometimes <laughs> yeah. there. But, no, you know, Greg Madison isn't going to steal your plays from watching on Stadium Boulevard. So, uh, the, with that, that was a long-winded. But the question is, do you feel like they're a little more open to talking about what's going on inside practice and in, inside the program? Because at media days, they, I felt like Harbaugh was more transparent than I've ever seen him before. That he was like talking like a regular human being instead of long, weird, awkward pauses and like, you know, not giving out any information, all that stuff. Is, is that vibe changed a little bit as well? I think to a certain extent it has. It's like you're not guarding the nuclear launch codes. Like you don't have to be so guarded. <laughs> and I don't think that Michigan is – I don't think they've done anything well enough to where you can say, like, let's button this up and make sure nobody sees it. Like Michigan football, hot take, has not exactly been pushing the game forward into new directions over the last – really the history of the program, honestly. So, I mean, the, the idea that – that they could be so guarded is, is always kind of been a little odd to me. Like there's, first of all, I mean, and you could use me for an example, I'll throw myself under the bus. Like there's a lot of media that doesn't know enough about football to be able to like report on what they're seeing actually, you know, um, accurately, like it's the gospel and, and, you know, guys from Ohio state are going to be taking notes based on what they see on maize and brew, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> it does seem like there's been a, a change, a breaking down of listen, like, we don't, what we want to do, we don't think it's that complicated. So we just have to run it well. And I think whether someone knows what's coming or not, if you execute what you do well better than the other person does, it doesn't matter if they know what's coming or not. So, um, yeah, that's, there, there has been a little more openness. I mean, I, I kind of talked about it earlier in that they named a starting quarterback coming out of spring football, which even when we knew like in the years, like, we knew that the two years Shea Patterson was at Michigan, he was going to be their starting quarterback, but they would still be like, well, the battle's ongoing. You know, we'll see what happens in the opener. Um, and they've still left it open for like JJ or Alan Bowman to come in and, and maybe take the job, but it's the bar has been set pretty high in that this is our guy. It doesn't look like they're going to, you know, waver from that. It doesn't look like he's going to give it up unless he has a really bad camp, which doesn't seem like is in the cards based on what, they're saying and based on what we've been told so it seems like they're just kind of like hey listen we know we know what we are we know what the narratives have been we know that uh a lot of people are sleeping on us so yeah we'll uh here come on in we'll we'll they're not going to be show us everything they're not going to show they're still not going to show us anything but i think there is less of a a guarded nature to it and i think that's I think that's good. I think that's that's positive for them, you know, to be like you said, talk like a human being. Talk to us like, uh, you know, it's a two-way street, and you're not, you know, guarding the location of some secret treasure or something like that. So, again, these are all things like I can't speak to whether what type of difference it's going to make, but I just feel like it's everyone's weirdly at ease with where they're at, considering what's on the line the next. I mean, I know people will say this is kind of the year, the make or break year, but it could be over the next couple of years. But um, everyone's just kind of oddly at ease where, with everything's at right now, which is uh, kind of crazy. It doesn't it just doesn't feel as buttoned up as it has? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, I get that. I mean, you got to play like loose and, and stuff. You can't just be like tight at all times. Right. But still, I'm sure these guys are feeling the pressure. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a ton of, of football and X's and O's and, you know, personnel and all that stuff, but we really, you know, we need to talk about tailgating and the the atmosphere around Michigan Stadium here. <laughs> I I actually, funny enough, I was at a, a work conference uh, out out west this week, and there were some people from Ole Miss, and they were like talking about they they didn't have they literally said nothing about how good their football team was going to be, but they talked about how great tailgating was. And <laughs> so the one lady right. said she said we never lose a party. That was her. That was her line, which I love. And so I think that's got to be our uh, our slogan for the year. Uh, we're gonna try and sl- and throw some pretty good tailgates and stuff. And if you want to come, I don't know if you can come have a beer beforehand, but you can. We'll probably be there after the game too, and you can come enjoy a beverage after the game as well. But you've got the invite for sure. Um, but I wanted to do a little oh. snake draft here. Uh, I, I don't know. Jack doesn't really know what a snake draft <laughs> I, I is. I finally <laughs> figured it out. I know what it is now. Uh, I did fantasy baseball this year. Okay, I got it. But I, I wanted to – so snake draft, we all get maybe – let's do three choices, and we'll go through it, of best dr- drinks to bring to the tailgate. If you, you've got, you're the, you've got okay. the responsibility for bringing the drinks to the tailgate, what are you bringing? And so well, the order, let's go let's – go, Anthony, well, Anthony, we'll give you the first first choice. We'll go Jack, Kalen, and then myself. I'll get two, and then we'll go back around. Sound good? Okay. Sounds good to me. All right, go <laughs> for it. Start us off. Oh, God. All right, so we're, like, just to make sure the parameters are clear. Like, we're talking just, I mean, the weather changes, right? Like, we could have September True. 4th, it could be 80 degrees, and then a month later, it could be 40 True. degrees. So, like... Let's just assume we're talking fall tailgates here. Um, That's the one stipulation I would add. Uh, I think, uh, and I love the tailgate. I'm a Central Michigan guy, so we always used to say, like, we can't beat you, we're going to out-drink you. (laughs) That's right, fire up chips. Um, That's a long-winded way of me saying that uh, I think pick number one for me for fall tailgate is probably the fireball and, and cider. Damn, that's what I was going to say. It's a fall staple. Yeah, well, you know, I had the first pick, so. Yeah, it it does. It's got the burn on the way down. It's it also, depending on what if it's colder, if it's in the 40s or 50s, it's it's got you know kind of puts a little warmth in the belly for you. Um, so yeah, that's that would be my first pick. I like it. Can't remember who was going second. I think you were. Go for it. Um, so I'm since we're we got to go around this three times. I'm gonna not gonna be super broad and just say beer, but uh, a nice <laughs> a nice crisp Bud Light. I would say. Oh so yeah, definitely right. a number one choice. Old Faithful. I feel like it's versatile. You can shotgun it. You can drink it just out of you know out of the can. You can you know chug you during beer bong it. Yeah, yeah, it can do it's it. a great, very, very versatile drink. It's the Dan Valari of tailgating. <laughs> I, <would> <laughs> I love nice. that. Yeah. All right, Kalen, what do you got? I would say that every great tailgate that I've been to, I've never brought them, but 
but somebody has <laughs> brought out some jello shots. Oh, so God. That oh. Is definitely. Great pick. Definitely a staple. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. That's usually usually Sam Wilson at, at my Yes. Show. Yeah. It's, Force feeding them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like way too many. They're way, they're usually <laughs> way too strong. Tastes like <laughs> literal vodka. You know, that's how it goes. Um, all right. I am going to go with the White Claw. So I feel like for a while there, it was like, oh, guys can't drink a White Claw. They can't bring it to a tailgate. You're not a man. Now I'm there's you can't don't judge me. I love the taste. It goes down easy. It's a great Especially drink. if we are talking September fourth, that's a refreshing drink to have if it's gonna be seventy five <laughs> So is this an there's, ad? there's like, actually there's no shame in that whatsoever. Um it's it's light it doesn't sit heavy. That's the big thing about like right. tailgating and drinking beers is like those will sit heavy and you'll start you'll feel it later on in the day. Like a white claw white claws i should say plural we're tailgating here yes Um, (laughs) those that's 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 the stuff so yeah that's a good pick now the real question are you gonna uh are you gonna check on it oh they don't they don't that hurts going down yeah that hurts going down i'll stick with the blood light too much flavor yeah yeah um and then all right so i'm going back i'm going again right right away so, all right, this is kind of a newer one, but it's become it's starting to become a staple. Pink Whitney. I don't know, Oof. Anthony, if you've ever had Pink Whitney vodka, the the pink lemonade vodka, but it's, I mean, it's very dangerous. I'll say that. But like, you don't need a a chaser, really. You know, it's definitely it, it's a it's a pretty solid pick there. Yeah. No. No, I haven't had that before. It'll get it'll get you in trouble real quick. That's, it, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should you should have seen Roe on on his birthday. He had uh, a little <laughs> bit too much Pink Whitney, and Maybe. we thought we thought he wasn't gonna make it when we got to the bar, but he he got a second win. It was incredible. I rallied. I rallied. Best comeback I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kalen, you're up. All right, um, Jack. You know we have to bring the Cherry Burnets. I've got upstairs. Oh, can't not have that. Cherry <laughs> Burnett. I, I mean, I'm, very, I'm not going to touch that until tailgating season. It's very top shelf. So we'll exclusive. have some, that's for sure. Very exclusive. We should be sponsored by Cherry Burnett. So I'll I'll go back off of the, uh, the White Claw mention to bring the seltzers into it. Vizzy. It's Ooh. got antioxidants and I believe vitamin C. So it may even be a little upgrade from uh, White Claw. It's basically like drinking vegetables, right? I yeah. mean, you're just like health. Yeah. You're it's, health. A V8. it's a V8 with alcohol in it, you know? Yeah. And it's flu season, cold and flu season. You know, you got to keep yourself tip top. Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Bruin. Round two for you. Oh, man, I got to – this is tough. I got the back-to-back here. Uh, we're going to stay – we're going to stay in the Seltzer family. Um, and this will be an earlier season tailgate seltzer because uh, weather's still hot. A little more refreshment here. I'm a big fan of the pineapple high noons. Oh, okay. noon guy myself. So, okay. Um, Love any that. flavor, not just the pineapple, but that's a good, that'd be a good pick for me. Nooners, nooners and for I the noon come. kickoff. Love that. Mm. Mm. That's right. That's right. See, there's, there's a grand plan here. 
<laughs> so I got I, I'm on back to back. I'm on back to back here, right? I got one more. Yes. Yep. Oh goodness. Um. Oh, this is tough. Uh, we'll bring it back to <laughs> we'll bring it back to beer. I'm a. Uh, we talk about fall beers. I'm a Sam Adams Oktoberfest type of guy. Oh, so, okay. Couple Fantastic. of those at a tailgate. Yeah. Mix it I'll up a little bit. Me. Yeah, that's Get right. That flavor of Bud Light <laughs> out of your mouth for a second. <laughs> All right, so back. Right. I mean, we, we gotta. I've got to bring some uh, some sort of bourbon. Like you gotta switch it up every now and again. The Charles Woodson uh, bourbon that he's got. I'll Ooh, bring that nice. to the tailgate. That's for sure. That was pretty good when we had it the other night. It was solid. It was solid. It's it's no bullet. I love my bullet, but uh, I mean it's game day. You gotta you gotta get as much amazing blue as possible. So I would say the Woodson uh, Woodson whiskey bourbon. That would be my final pick. Very nice. Yeah, I would say for my final pick, you can't just drink. You got to have a little bit of food. So I would go chips and guac. I love to have the guac, <laughs> not the salsa. What a piss guac. poor effort on that uh, <laughs> on that choice. <laughs> Jesus. Come on now. I mean, you, I, I, you definitely have to have some food, and I've gotten in trouble by not having food, but that's all right. That's all right. That's not part of the category. Yeah. That's why. That's why I, I tailgate with you guys, and I just run upstairs and get my press box food. Yeah, there you that's go. Herb. I don't know post COVID, but yeah, um, not to flex or anything, but <laughs> yeah, I they still do these things for that free meal. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh. All right, I will. Uh, I'm gonna end it with uh, we're we're going late, like Ohio State game or some November game, and bringing it out with. I've done this before. It's not easy to keep everything hot, but like either a coffee or hot chocolate with some peppermint schnapps. So, Ooh, I've never done that, but that is something I need to try this fall. Yeah. That's for sure. We've I done, love that pick. It's outstanding. It's a good one. Yeah, we've done that. Even even without the hot chocolate or coffee too. But if you just have a little bottle of Hershey's chocolate oh, syrup, I've done those shots. Yes. Stops, it is so good, so good. So, yeah, that that that's how we're gonna end the season this year. Whether no matter if it's you know if we're six and six or or twelve and zero, so we'll be there. Win or lose, we still booze. <laughs> yeah. We're not losing a party. That's right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. I know you uh, you had a day here. You enjoyed uh, some Tigers baseball. You enjoyed uh, Shambeckler Hall. Um, you know, plug yourself here. You're you're. Uh, what's your? Give us your at on Twitter. Give us some content that may be coming up on your Twitter or on Maze and Brew at all. We we want to know where to go there. All right, yeah. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom uh, because someone else has my first name, last name handle, and it pisses me off. So we, <laughs> we work with what we have for now. Um, anywhere, I mean, this is the blanket spiel usually when we close out our podcast. But Maze and Brew is wherever you guys are at on social media, sans like TikTok. We haven't quite made it into that sphere yet. But, um, you know, we're, we're on Facebook, Twitter, at Maze and Brew. Um, Instagram, you know, the YouTube channel, Steven's doing great work over there. Um, the podcast feed, Maze and Brew podcast, like, like I said earlier, I think we're kind of kicking back up into 
the five, at least five shows a week, we're probably going to be um, kicking that up even, even a little bit more once we get in season. So a lot of stuff coming there. I mean, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I think it's great that, you know, in, and this is where I kind of turned the praise to you guys. Now, I, I think that it's great that when you know, some, sometimes things can be adversarial in terms of, Oh, well, this outlet does this, this podcast does this. Like, um, you know, we've never done that with like, we want to be friends and, and good and connect with everyone. And like I said, to, to be able to do some cross stuff, you know, cross talk stuff here is awesome. And I hope it works for everyone. So if you're someone who likes what these guys do, we feel like we kind of do a similar thing with our site and, and do our own thing as well. So um, yeah, leave, leave a subscribe, leave a review. Um, <laughs> only good reviews though. The bad ones <laughs> take me personally and we'll figure it out. But <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, I just appreciate the conversation, appreciate, uh, your guys's time. And, you know, we don't know what this football season will hold, but, um, we'll make, we'll make from like, it'll be what we make of it. So if we can all just kind of, whether it's 10 and two or, you know, two and 10, like we just all have fun with it. Like everyone's kind of in this together and, and we're not going anywhere, like no matter what happens. So to have a good time and have fun with it, um, I think that's pretty important. So. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'll definitely Maze and Brew will be we're working on maybe doing it. Like I hope we can do a tailgate for the Washington game, um, some other type of events around town. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll be there. We'll be on the front lines because that was kind of taken away from all of us last year. So to connect and to shake hands and to hug people that want to be hugged, of course, you know, COVID is still kind of a thing. But um, you know, to connect is. You know, we're looking, really looking forward to that this fall. So hopefully we can all kind of bring that out of each other. Well, we'll we'll definitely be out there tailgating. So we'll have to we'll have to hit you guys up, see if we can uh, get get the parties close together. Oh, for sure. That'll be a good time. For sure, for sure. Maybe, 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 maybe there's something we can work out with that. We'll have to talk about that. All but, right. Um, well, even yeah, we no, were... it's it's no, it's we're looking forward to it. For sure, for sure. We were even thinking of doing some uh some like live uh Saturday morning podcasts or shows or something. So we'll have to get you on for that too. So uh, oh, of course. That that way we force you to come by and have a beer with us. <laughs> and, uh, it's not lip service. I'll if you guys you guys call, I'll be there. So assuming right. something else isn't going on. So for sure. Um I got you guys covered. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. That's Anthony Broom from Maze and Brew. We appreciate you. Go check out his site, mazeandbrew.com. And uh, we will uh, see you guys next week. Go Blue.